Now, there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone, rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. He is risen. During the time I was in Russia, I was amazed to find, Michael, they have a Special greeting for Easter. They only use it on Easter. Don, it is Christos Vaskres. Christos Vaskres. That means Christ has risen. And the answer, and I won't try the Russian because it's been too long. My pronunciation is pretty poor anyway. But the answer when someone says to you on Easter, Christ has risen, the answer is, he has risen indeed, or indeed he has risen. That's pretty cool that they recognize Easter by a special greeting. I put in our monthly magazine, the Connection magazine, that, that little bit and suggested that perhaps we ought to start that tradition that even leading up to Easter, we would greet one another with Christ has risen. Listen, the fact that Christ has risen is an integral part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is such a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ that if you remove the resurrection from the gospel, you have no gospel and you have no hope. There is nothing to preach and no reason to preach. The foundation of our faith is on Christ Jesus, the Son of God, that He lived that he died, was buried, and that he rose again. I've been preaching a series leading up to this time about the characters, various characters around the cross, and I'm actually going to continue in that just a little bit, talking about some of the people around the resurrection. Christ has risen from the dead, and that began, that story between the cross and the resurrection, included a secret funeral. Now, that's not unusual. 
because the Old Testament law said, cursed is everyone who dies on a tree. And it is very true that Jesus Christ, Kelly, took our curse for us. He was cursed because he died on a tree, on a tree but he was cursed because he took our sin to die on that tree. And Rodney, the law required that one who was cursed, died on a tree, be buried that night and that he be buried without honor as a cursed person. And Jesus, in fact, had a secret, secret funeral the night that he was crucified. I say secret, it's in the gospel, but it was not a public funeral the way you might think. See, the Bible says in John chapter 19, verse 38, After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took away his body. Now, the odd thing about this this passage of Scripture and companion passages in the, in the other Gospels. In other words, this occasion is the only time in the Bible we hear the name of Joseph of Arimathea. Grady's been a secret disciple of Jesus all this time, so secret we've never heard of him. Because he was afraid, Don, afraid of the Jews, afraid that he would be kicked out as an elder of the Jews. Probably afraid, Rodney, that it would hurt his business because he was a wealthy man. But because he was afraid, he let no one know that he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. James, I'm afraid there's a lot of people like that in the world around us today. I'm afraid that there are a lot of church members who are not willing to say with me, I love my church because my church loves Jesus. People who are afraid to say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Someone says to them, you're not a Christian, are you? And they're dumbfounded as to what to say. They're afraid of public opinion. Nick, uh, Joseph of Arimathea was that way. He was afraid of public opinion, and so he was a secret disciple. What about you? How open are you about your faith in Jesus Christ? If I greeted you in the restaurant with your friends as your pastor, would people be shocked to find out that you're a member of Faith Baptist Church? Or do they know that already? Is there enough evidence in your life that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? Do people recognize your faith by the way you live and by your testimony. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of that you're not willing to speak out about your faith? And why are you not more active in your church and in your faith in following Jesus Christ? Let me challenge you today. Do what God is telling you to do. Regardless of what anybody else says or thinks, do what God wants you to do. Joseph of Arimathea came out of the closet, so to speak, in his Christian faith. 
He came out claiming the body of Jesus Christ. That means, Amber, he used his, his relationship, his power, he used his influence to go to Pilate and boldly identify himself with Christ to ask for the body. And if he had not done that, Jesus would have been buried with the thieves. And Kim, what the, I got two Kims sitting back to back. They don't know which one I'm talking to. That would mean that Jesus would have been buried in a common grave with 40 others who had been crucified over the past several days. And then what happens to the testimony of the resurrection? There would be nobody looking for the body. There would be no one testifying he's raised or he's raised from the dead. He is risen from the dead because he would have been in a common tomb. But it's thanks to the boldness of Joseph of Arimathea that he was put into a tomb where the stone was rolled in front of the tomb so that we have the testimony of the empty tomb. Be bold in your faith. Step out and take the position that God intends you to have. Give your life to service to God regardless of what anybody else thinks. The second person in that secret funeral was Nicodemus, who also earlier had come to Jesus by night. He came this time bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they, that is Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now here's somebody else who has not been open about their faith. In fact, there's a big question, Mark. Linda, I... I I wonder when I read John chapter 3, the story of Nicodemus. I mean, this is one of the most familiar passages in the Scripture. Other than, you know, John 3.16 begins with Nicodemus talking to Jesus. And he's, he came by night, Donna, because he's ashamed. He's a ruler of the Jews. And he's ashamed that he doesn't know how to be saved. And Jesus talks with him about being born again. But there's no reference to what decision Nicodemus made. I wonder what about you? You've heard the gospel time and time again. Have you come to faith in Jesus Christ? Now there was a time, Grant, when Nicodemus did speak up to the, in the council and say, well, we don't condemn a man without hearing from him or without his testimony. But then they made fun of him, Tony and said, are you from Galilee? And he clamped down his mouth. He never said another word. We don't hear from him again, Roger, until this occasion at the burial. Was he a believer or was he not? Or is it that finally, at the crucifixion, Todd, he sees enough, and now he's convinced, and he finally comes to faith. What about you? See, Joseph of Arimathea used his influence for Jesus. Nicodemus used his wealth for Jesus. What are you willing to do for Jesus? Are you willing to use your wealth, your time, and your energy to serve Him? What's holding you back? 
What is it going to take for you to come and to confess your faith in Christ and give yourself to serve Him? Well, I want you to notice not only the secret funeral, but also the borrowed tomb. I, I can't say that word without remembering the preacher, Don, who was from Louisiana, and he was preaching about the borrowed tomb. And I can't imitate a Louisiana accent, so I can't say the, you know, the borrowed tomb the way he did. And some of the, pre some of the people sitting in the crowd, you know, nobody understood what he was talking about, Tony. And, and one of them leaned over to his wife and said, what is he saying, borrowed tomb? She said, I don't have a clue, but I will ask him later. So I, I can't, I'm sorry, that's not a part of the sermon, but I can't think about the borrowed tomb without thinking about that. The Bible says in Matthew 27, Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Now, it's... It fulfills scripture of the Old Testament that he was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Because in Isaiah 53, it says that he was buried with the rich. He was actually buried in Joseph's tomb. It was a new tomb, unused. Nobody had been laid in it. It was not unusual in that day for a whole family to be buried in the same tomb. They would open the tomb, they would put the body in, they would then close it, they would open it later and add a family member. This is a tomb that is unused, which is actually cut in the rock. It's not dug in the ground, it's cut in the rock, and there is a great stone that is rolled across it to seal it. That's an important part of the story. The thing is, it was a borrowed tomb, but I like the fact that he was not going to need it for very long. Amen? He rose from the dead three days later. And maybe it's just a part, my wife shakes her head at my jokes, but maybe it's just a part of my weird sense of humor. I, Kelly, I can just see the sign after the resurrection. For sale, one tomb. Slightly used, recently vacated. Amen? Big discount on that tomb. He did not need it for long. The testimony of the empty tomb is a testimony of our faith. Well, there's not only the empty tomb, there is the moved stone. I said that there was a stone that was rolled in front of the tomb is an important part of the story. Continuing in Matthew chapter 28, after I read Matthew 27, the last few verses, and then in chapter 28, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. You know, one of the things that is most often used by Christians in defense of the resurrection, and by the way, one of the evidences that has been very powerful for convicting 
atheist of the existence of Christ, that He is God, and the truth that He rose from the dead is the question, who moved the stone? You see, the, the claim by the soldiers was that they slept through the apostles coming and stealing the body while they slept. I assure you, no one could sleep through the sound of that huge stone. It's been suggested that it was a stone that it would take four to seven men to roll away. And nobody is going to sleep through the rolling away of the stone. And Chloe, just in case anybody missed it, God sent an earthquake to shake them up. But the neatest thing to me, Rodney, is that the angel who rolled the stone away sat down on it. And the description is that he was, he was bright like lightning. He's sitting on the stone. Jonathan, I love the fact that he's sitting there staring down the guards. Now they're trembling, and it's like they've had a stroke or something. They're just frozen in fear. The angel's staring them down and saying, I just dare you to move. I just dare you to move. Go ahead, make my day. You just move. And they did not move. They, the angel moved the stone. And I wonder, what other evidence? You've got the testimony of the women who went to the tomb. You've got the testimony of the apostles of Jesus Christ who died refusing to recant their story that they spent 40 days with Jesus after He had been crucified, a living Savior. What more evidence do you need for the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? What more can God do to convince you that He has not already done? Friend, it's time for you to move. It's time for you to surrender to the will of God for your life. If you have never come to faith in Jesus Christ, hear the truth of the gospel. Admit your sins. Confess to God. Trust in Jesus and be saved. And have the hope of the resurrection. If you're saved, it's time for you to serve Him. Quit holding back. Quit holding out. Come back to Jesus. Come back to church and serve the Lord. Then, I want you to notice that there was a weeping witness. Now, I, I'll confess that Ashley and Brenda and I have been watching Perry Mason episodes. The old black and white Perry Mason episodes. And she's probably looked at my my points in my sermon and said, you've watched too much of Perry Mason. Every one of these sounds like a Perry Mason episode. A weeping witness. But John chapter 20 says, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? That's a good question. Why are 
you weeping? She said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. The answer, Kelly, to why she was weeping is that she did not understand the resurrection from the dead. Now, I'm not sure why that is. Because she, the, the disciples have, James, they've been told all through the Gospels. Time after time, you read, Jonathan, where Jesus tells them, I'm going to be put into the hands of sinners. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be killed. They're, they're going to kill me. And on the third day, I'll rise again. I don't know why they, they didn't get that. But they didn't. Even Mary Magdalene in this place does not yet realize the truth about the resurrection. Here's the thing. I've been to a lot of funerals. There was a time this past year when we couldn't have a funeral at all. I've seen grieving at funerals, and there's nothing wrong with shedding a tear. But friends, we do not grieve like people who have no hope. Amen? We know about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we know that because He was raised, He will raise us in the last day. But if you don't understand that, and if you don't have that hope, a funeral is in fact a time of hopeless grief. Where's your faith? Is your faith in Jesus Christ? Do you know that you will be with Him one minute after you close your eyes in death? One second after you close your eyes in death that you will be with Him. Do you know that you will be rejoined with your family members who are saved because of the resurrection? They're saved. Are you saved? Will you meet them in heaven one day? One of my favorite stories comes from a friend of mine. I haven't seen him in a lot of years. Dwayne Chase was in a printing, Bible printing ministry, Bearing Precious Seed. He and his wife worked together printing Bibles with Bearing Precious Seed in Orlando, Florida. Kissimmee, actually, Florida. She came down with cancer. Struggled. She, she kept on coming to the printing presses, to the printing ministry. Liz, she would get tired easily. And Dwayne would say to her, you go on home. It's okay. I'll stay and work. And I'll come home later. On the day of her funeral, Dwayne once again gave that testimony. He said when she died, he said to her, you go on home and I'll come later. Can you say that? When a loved one dies, can you say that? You go on home and I'll come home later. That is the result of faith in a risen Savior. That's the end of the story for today. A risen Savior. John chapter 20. Continuing the passage that I read to you in verse 14. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. 
Why would she not recognize him? Well, the same thing I said before. She didn't understand the resurrection of the dead, and so Jacob, she didn't expect to see him. She was totally shocked. She could not think this is Jesus because she saw him crucified. She saw him buried, and now he's alive. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around to him and Ramaic said, Rabboni, which means teacher. You know, I guess I've become notorious for calling people's names. I've, I've wondered if Reese was ever going to speak to me again. Last Sunday, she, or was it the Sunday before? I don't remember. Anyway, she, was, she looked at me, and, and about the time I called her name, she looked down. Boy, she looked up in a hurry. I'm, she, she had a shocked look. So she's here. I'm, I hope she's forgiven me for scaring her like that. But, Tony, I've, I don't know of anybody else that does this. And I stopped for a while. And then Joseph Clements said to me, I like it when you do that. It forms a connection. And so I've continued. I know I'm weird. But I like the fact that I can look out and Rachel, I can see somebody's meeting me eye to eye and call their name. And it just, to me, I'm reaching out and making a connection with somebody in the crowd. I love that. But Kim, Jesus called her name. She didn't know him. She didn't recognize him till he called her name. Mary. And all of a sudden the lights came on. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus has risen from the dead. He said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brothers. Say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that He said these things to me. The power of the resurrection the power of a risen Lord. The resurrection is so much a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ that without the resurrection, the gospel has no meaning, no saving power, and no hope. You see, the cross is a symbol of Christ's victory over sin. But the empty tomb is a symbol of victory over death and the grave. It is a, an essential part of the gospel. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, 
that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Listen, we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. He walked in that day in a resurrected, glorified body, and He is returning again. We not only worship a risen Savior, we worship a returning Savior. Are you ready? Are you ready for Jesus to come? What if He came at the end of this service? Well, forget that. What about if He came right now? I mean, right this instant. Would you say, come on, Lord. Come now. Come now. Let's go. Come now. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus? When you see Him, will He call you home to be with Him? Or will you be separated? When you see Him, will you be able to say, I've done what you've asked me to do. I've served you as you've called me to do. If you're not ready, get ready. Jesus is coming. If you need to be saved, trust Him. If you need to be baptized, come and let us baptize you because you've been saved. If you need to be a member of our church, come and let's talk about how you can become a member of the church. If you've been backslidden, you've not been serving Christ, come back. Come back to church. Come back to service. Come back to fellowship with Jesus Christ. Do what God is calling you to do. And do that now. I want us to stand, bow our heads. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As God speaks to your heart, will you do what He's asking you to do? Be saved. If you need to be saved, you've never been saved, I would love to meet with you here at the altar and tell you how you can be. If you need to be baptized, then come and present yourself for baptism so that this church can baptize you. If you need to come for membership, why are you holding back? What are you waiting for? Present yourself now to the church for membership. If you're not serving, start to serve again. What do you need to do? Do you need to come here and come now? Then come. 